Good morning, and welcome to the Truth and Love radio broadcast. This program has been a part of the Mid-South for the last 70 years, faithfully overseen by the Getwold Church of Christ. Truth and Love will carry on lifting up the banner of New Testament Christianity today to the Mid-South area under the oversight of the Olive Branch Church of Christ. Please join us now as Mike Hickson opens the Bible and shares the truth in love. The genesis of our nation can be traced back to 1776. Many of our founding fathers believed in God and His inspired, inerrant word. It is my conviction they believed the perpetuity of our nation was tied to our allegiance to God and His Word. Sadly, this way of thinking has been ignored or abandoned by many of our nation's leaders. The turbulent 1960s seemed to usher in a new way of thinking among many in our country. With the Vietnam War raging, young people began to push back against the establishment. Voices of authority and the moral code that had been a part of mainstream America for generations. The hippie culture was born and opened the door to the use of marijuana and psychedelic drugs. Add to this the sexual revolution that introduced free love. Boundaries that were once respected and observed were laid aside in favor of this new wave of thinking and acting. Like ancient Rome, America is imploding at a rapid pace, and unless changes are forthcoming, we face catastrophic consequences. I would certainly admit that the problems that we face in this country are multifaceted, but it seems to me the primary source of our troubles stem from the failures in the American home. The old cliche is true, as the home goes, so goes the nation. Our nation is in trouble because the home is in trouble. The moral training and values that were once a viable part of the American home have been abandoned. In our study today, I want to call your attention to the theme, America, a nation in decline. In our study today, what I want to do is first and foremost isolate what I believe to be are the problems that we are facing as a nation of people. Secondly, I want to humbly offer a biblical prescription to help us get back on track. And then thirdly, to call our attention to the fact that unless we look to the prescription that is outlined in Scripture and take heed, we face a perilous future. So number one, let's just talk for a moment or two about the problems that we face as a nation of people. I guess probably the first thing that I would want to say today in our discussion is that the primary problem that we face as a nation of people is that we have turned a deaf ear to God and His Word. And yes, that begins in the home. Did you know that 
The greatest ally the devil has is a closed Bible. The devil understands that the Word of God is living and active, and as the Hebrew writer said, sharper than any two-edged sword. It's interesting to me that in Matthew chapter 4, we have a record of Jesus being tempted by the devil. Luke also informs us of that temptation over in chapter 4 of his narrative of the gospel. But in the various overtures that the devil made toward Christ, each and every time the Lord responded to the temptation posed to him, he said, it is written. Jesus understood something about the power of God's holy word. You just think for a moment or two about what Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And then I mentioned Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 where the writer there said in the long ago that the Word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. He goes on to say that it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And really what he was saying in that context is that the Word of God is a critic in the lives of the human family. The Word of God has the ability to identify things that we're doing correctly things that are pleasing in the eyes of God. And then, by the same token, God's Word has the ability to critique or identify things that need correcting in our lives. You remember Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, all Scripture is inspired of God and is profitable for doctrine, for correction, for instruction, in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped, or thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Paul here emphasizing the fact that the Word of God has the ability to not only instruct, but also to correct. I think it's worth mentioning in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, when Paul announced the fact that the Word of God is God-breathed. In other words, it comes to us from a divine source. Peter would say many years ago that holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. But Paul said every scripture inspired of God is profitable. It's sad to me that we live in a nation of people, we live in a world today, when there are many, many people that have the idea that the word of God to them is intended to hinder what they want to do in life to restrict them from enjoying life as they see it. That, in many respects, the intent of Scripture is to hurt them in some way. Could I kindly suggest to you that God's Word is not intended to hinder us or to hurt us? No, to the contrary. The Word of God is intended to help us to help us live in such a way so that we enjoy life to its maximum potential. But again, that goes back to understanding something about God's Word and the fact that it is intended to be a pattern, a blueprint for how we live in this day and time. 
It was a psalmist who said in Psalm 119, verse 105, Your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. John tells us that the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one, or that the world is engulfed in spiritual darkness. And the only way that we can see clearly in a world of spiritual darkness is through the lamp of God's word. Now to those who say, well, I just don't need God's word in my life. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, it is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. Go back for a moment and look at the book of Judges. Judges is one of the dark periods in the history of the Israelite nation. In the very last chapter of the book of Judges, the Bible says, in those days there was no king in Israel. And every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Now, God was to have been their king. And what the writer was saying in that particular passage of Scripture, chapter 21, verse 25, is simply that Israel had rejected God as her king. As a result of that, they just did what was right in their own eyes. Somewhat of a commentary on the world that we're living in today, particularly America, since we're talking about America, a nation in decline. And you look at the mayhem and chaos that's so prevalent in our society and the problems and the troubles that we face and the fact that many have adopted this very mindset. They're going to do what's right in their own eyes. Here's my question. How's that working out? You know the answer to that. Not very well. You remember Hosea the prophet wrote to the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom would go into Assyrian captivity in about 722-721 B.C. The prophet wrote to people that sadly were devoid of biblical knowledge. In chapter 4, verse 6, the prophet said, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In chapter 8, verse 12, Hosea said, I have written to him the great things of my law, but they were counted as a strange thing. How could it have been the case that God's covenant people had become so devoid of biblical knowledge that in one sense of the word, that scripture was strange or foreign to them? Is that not where we are as a nation today? I mentioned the fact that the greatest ally the devil has is a closed Bible. The devil understands humanity. He understands that God's Word is powerful, that God's Word is intended to profit, to help, to aid us. And so if somehow he can deceive us into thinking that we no longer need God in his Word, then he wins. Listen to what Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In Ephesians 6, when the apostle Paul outlines the Christian battleware, or battle equipment, we might say. The equipment that we are to wear, that is, the whole armor of God. In verse 17, he said, we're to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword was both offensive and defensive. 
We need God's word to defend ourselves from the evil one. Now, offensively, we take that word to a lost and dying world. But there is power in the word of God. And the devil again knows that if he can somehow strip us of that piece of armor, then he's going to win. Back in Ephesians 4, verse 27, Paul said, Neither give place to the devil. In other words, don't give him any more real estate. He's got enough. The devil's already occupying the hearts and lives of far, far too many people in this world. And Paul here in Ephesians chapter 4 is saying, Do not allow the devil to get a foothold in your life. So what about the problems that we face as a nation of people? Let me just isolate some of the problems that we're being confronted with on a daily basis in America. First and foremost, we're facing problems economically speaking. Did you know that we are some $33 trillion in debt? I can't begin to fathom that kind of money. To try to wrap my mind around the fact that we are in debt up to our ears. At what point do people stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. Not long after I graduated from college, I remember an older mentor of mine was talking to me about economics in the work world. And he used the illustration, he said, if the door's open and the heat's on, at some point, somebody's got to close the door. Well, in this context, at some point in time, somebody, some responsible individual or individuals need to stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. We cannot continue to spend what we do not have. Do you remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 37, verse 21? The wicked borrow and do not repay. What are we saying to our young people? Matter of fact, what are we doing to our young people? Creating more and more debt. A type of indebtedness that in all probability they will never be able to overcome. So number one, we're facing problems economically. Number two, we are facing problems judicially. In Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul makes the case that we are to be submissive to governmental powers because they have been ordained by Almighty God. Now, there are three divine institutions spoken of in Scripture. The first would be the home. The second, of course, has to do with civil government. The third is the church. God placed the civil government in place for a reason, and that is to protect her citizens. When those individuals in a particular country or nation engage in wrongdoing, then the idea is they are to be punished swiftly. Why? So that her citizens, that is, the citizens of a particular nation or kingdom, can enjoy life and enjoy peace. In our day and time, it seems as if there are no deterrents to crime. Our judicial system has become far, far too lax. And in Romans chapter 13, the Apostle Paul speaks of bearing the sword in vain. Paul there simply pointing out when capital punishment is not exercised as God has ordained, 
then ultimately evil has the ability or potential to triumph. You see, capital punishment is to be used as a deterrent to evil. When people only get a slap on the wrist, or if even that, do you really think that's going to curb the crime that we face in this country? You know the answer to that. Thinking people understand. They understand that when there are no deterrents in place, then those who are engaging in criminal activities, they're going to continue to escalate their behavior. And then thirdly, first, we are facing problems economically. Secondly, we're facing problems judicially. Thirdly, we are facing problems, and I would say major problems, morally. Look at the erosion that's taken place in our country. Erosion when it comes to what I would call moral values. Did you know that in 2022, Pew Research reported 59% of people between the ages of 18 and 44 have lived with an unmarried partner at some point in their lives. Premarital, extramarital relations are rampant. Sexual promiscuity is so prevalent in this nation, and not just among mature adults, but even among our teens, young people. Why is that? I read just this past week that those born between the years 1997 and 2012, that they believe that actually two in five of those who were born during those years, they believe or think that marriage is outdated. Now, where'd they ever get an idea like that? They didn't get it from the Bible. Is it possible that They've adopted this way of thinking because of their home life and what they're being taught in the home or what they're being taught by the media today. We've got to get back to understanding the fundamentals of the home and the sanctity of marriage. Matter of fact, if you go back and you look at the scriptures, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible tells us that God said concerning Adam, his creation. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make a help me. That is, I'll make a suitable answer for man. And so the Bible says in chapter 2 that God caused a deep sleep to come upon Adam. While in that deepened sleep, he extracted a rib. From that rib, he made the woman, and he brought her to the man. Adam responded by saying, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken from the man. Now note, therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. God being the author, the originator of the home and marriage. In Matthew chapter 19, Jesus was approached by some in his day, and they asked the question, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? Jesus answered their question with a question. He often did that. But he asked, Have you not read, therein lies the taproot of all the problems that we're facing today? 
We can talk about our problems economically. We can discuss our problems judicially. And yes, morally, they all go back to a lack of understanding and appreciation for the Word of the living God. We have failed to take the Word of God, incorporate it into our lives, and it is wrecking our nation. As Hosea the prophet said in chapter 8, verse 12, God's Word has become a strange thing to us. So Jesus asked the question, Have you not read? He that made them at the beginning made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife. They too shall become one flesh. Wherefore they are no more two, but one flesh. Now note, Therefore what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. The Lord Jesus Christ simply pointing out that going back to creation, God's original intent for the home, one man, one woman for life, that there is to be a sense of permanency and commitment attached to the marital relationship. You don't trade wives or trade, trade husbands like you trade automobiles. No, it is to be a lifelong commitment. There are three parties to marriage, the husband, the wife, the male, the female, and God. When I decided to preach many years ago, it never dawned on me that I would have to, at some point in time, during my ministry, define biblical marriage. And please understand, biblical marriage is between a male and a female, between a man and a woman. It is not between two men, nor is it between two women, but rather God is the one who authored marriage, the home. And God's the one who said marriage is to be between a male and a female. That's not hard to understand. And if we want to try to somehow get our nation back in line, we've got to get back to understanding the fundamentals of the home. Remember what the psalmist said many years ago, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Let me cite for you, not only are we facing troubles within the context of the home, marriage, and by the way, the Hebrew writer said the marriage bed is undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. The Bible doesn't change. Culture may change. Society may change. The thinking of men and women may change. But here's what the psalmist said. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So we have problems in the home, in the marriage relationship. What about lying and dishonesty? Is there not a real problem in our nation when it comes to people just being honest and forthright? Whatever happened to people standing behind their word? And look, I can go all the way to Washington. And I can see individuals in Washington and all throughout our country that have no problem whatsoever when it comes to lying, to telling mistruths. Now listen, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, here's what the Bible said. All liars shall have their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Do you know what John was saying? That those who are dishonest and lie, that they do not have the hope of heaven. What about robbery, theft, carjacking, looting, vandalism? What about violent crime, 
rape. I mean, these are daily problems people are facing in this country. Why? Let me tell you why. Because we have, again, turned a deaf ear to the Word of God. And murder? Why, murder has become a pastime among some in cities all across our nation. In the Mid-South area, it is unsettling how many people do not view life as sacred. We've missed something when it comes to the sanctity of human life. What if everybody genuinely loved God with all of their heart, soul, and mind? And as Jesus said, love their neighbor as their self. Do you really think we'd have a problem with murder in this area or, for that matter, in any city across the country? Here's what Hosea said back in chapter 4. Hosea brought a charge, an indictment against the children of Israel. He said there was no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land as a result of that. Immorality became a thorn in their flesh. He said there is swearing, lying, killing, stealing, committing adultery. He said they break all restraint with bloodshed upon bloodshed. Sounds a lot like 21st century America to me, or the world for that matter. You look at the problems that they faced in that day and time. And the question that we could ask, why? And the answer lies in the fact that they chose to ignore the law of God. And again, I'm going to ask this question. How did it work out for them? Not so well. How's it working out for us? Not so well. And add to all of this the problems of drug and alcohol usage in our nation. We've got folks that are using drugs recreationally. Some are using drugs that have been prescribed by doctors, and some are doing so illegally. We have a drug problem in America, and that drug problem is destroying our young and old alike. It doesn't matter your race, your gender, your educational background, your economics. It is destroying the pillars of our nation. And sadly, unless we wake up to the dangers of drug usage, we're going to continue to plummet. Here's what Solomon said many years ago. Wine is a marker. Strong drink is raging. Whoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Now, what about the prescription? How do we get back on track? May I suggest to you we've got to get back to the Bible. We've got to get back to understanding that there is a pattern for righteous behavior. Hosea said in chapter 14, The way of the Lord is right for those of us who are part of this country to realize that God's ways and God's word is right. It has always been right, and it will always be right. So to understand there's a pattern for our living, as Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, and then we must plead for righteous behavior, We need some Jonas to stand up and to call upon people in this nation to repent as Paul did to the Athenians in Acts 17, verse 30. He said the times of ignorance God winked at, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. And then as a nation of people to once again or to try to strive for righteous living, to practice righteousness 
as the Bible tells us. That would simply be to honor the word of the living God. And then, if we will adopt this, blessings will come forward. If we do not, we face a perilous future. Now, I don't know what the future holds, but I know the one who holds the future. And I know I can read in Hosea chapter 8, verse 7, the Bible says they sowed to the wind, and Hosea said they'll reap the whirlwind. If we don't clean up our act in this country, we're going to face dire, dire consequences. I would pray today, if you're not a New Testament Christian, that you'll believe Jesus is the Son of God, John 8, 24. Repent of your sins, Acts chapter 17, verse 30. Confess the name of Christ, be immersed in Christ for the remission of your sins, Acts 22, verse 16, Acts 2, verse 38. God will put you in the church and then be faithful till death. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. We would love to have you visit with us at the Olive Branch Church of Christ, located at 9100 East Sandridge Road, Olive Branch, Mississippi, 38654. We meet for Sunday Bible study at 9 a.m. Worship is at 10 a.m. Sunday afternoon study is at 1 p.m. Tuesday morning class, Bible class, is at 10 a.m. Wednesday evening Bible class at 7 p.m. Please visit our website, www.olivebranchchurchofchrist.org.